The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast where your shortcut to being informed. In this episode, we talk all things Australia Day, including what the date marks, how it evolved, the arguments for and against moving it, and what our leaders think. Squiz Shortcuts is your shortcut to more than the headlines. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, Australia Day is held each year on the 26th of January. What happened on that day way back in 1788? It's the anniversary of the first fleet arriving in Sydney Cove. It's not when (laughs) Captain James Cook uh, discovered Australia, but... As many things. (laughs) That's right, and many politicians have been tricked up on that. Uh, Sydney Cove is where Captain Arthur Phillip first raised the flag of Great Britain, the Union Jack, to signify the beginning of a new British colony. Just to explain a bit about the First Fleet, it was 11 ships carrying convicts from England uh, along with shipmen and marines. They travelled for over eight months to reach our shores and landed in Sydney Cove on that day. As we alluded to, interestingly, Claire, a survey back in 2018 showed that only 43% of Aussies knew exactly what the day commemorated. Many getting it confused with Captain Cook's discovery of Australia, as you said. In fact, Captain Cook had been dead for a few years when the First (laughs) fleet arrived. So that is not what it marks. What was Arthur Phillips' vision upon arrival? He was there to found a penal colony and had visions of this part of the world becoming a very important part of the British Empire. And when it came to settling in with the first Australians, uh, he had orders from the king of the day to live in harmony alongside the Indigenous population. Uh, He was to, and this is the quote, conciliate their affections, enjoining all our subjects to live in amity and kindness with them. And if it was broken, there were to be very serious consequences for those who had come to Australia to live amongst those first Australians. But of course, this vision didn't play out so romantically. The first Australians significantly impacted by the arrival of the British. Back to the date itself, though, from then, the 26th of January was known as First Landing Day or Foundation Day, often celebrated over dinner and drinks. Let's look at how it developed to become the national day that it is now. Australia Day, though it's not how it was known then, can be traced back to really 1818 when the New South Wales Governor Lachlan Macquarie declared it an annual public holiday. How did it evolve from there, Claire? So keep in mind that Australia didn't become a nation until 1901 with Federation. Up until then, of course, we had uh, what are now our states, uh, separate colonies. They each marked that Foundation Day or First Landing Day in their own way. Uh, But in the 1930s, when we fast forward, forward to that, uh, there was a campaign to have the 26th of January celebrated throughout the country as Australia Day on a Monday to make a long weekend. So That would have been popular. It was our first long weekend. Yeah. And it's about 1938 that we can really start to trace what we know today is Australia Day. And that's because 1938 was the sesquicentenary. No. <laughs> can you have a go? <laughs> sesquicentenary. <laughs> Claire and I have been trying to say this all morning. The sesquicentenary. That's the one. Yes, of the arrival of the first fleet. That's the 150th anniversary and we've all learnt a new word. <laughs> we certainly have. Interestingly, on that day in 1938, Aboriginal leaders met in Sydney also for a day of mourning to protest at their mistreatment by white Australians and to seek full citizenship rights. It really does go to show how far back these tensions around Australia day go. It's 
not just a thing of the modern era or mm. even the last few years. From as far back as 90 years, uh, this has been on the agenda. Fast forward to 1988, the bicentennial, much easier to say than sesquicentenary. <laughs> That's the 200th anniversary of the arrival of the first fleet. That really cemented Australia Day as we know it now. It was the celebration of the nation, Kate. Yeah. You don't remember it because that was... the year was I was born. Exactly. I... A special birth certificate. <laughs> That's also when Indigenous rights groups started calling it Invasion Day. Uh, and in that year, thousands came to march at the Bondi Pavilion, really marking the first proper organised uh, event under that banner. Major protest. And that brings us to the debate over whether or not Australia Day should be celebrated on the 26th of January. As we mentioned, Claire, Australia Day has long been disputed. This is not a new debate. But more recently, the Change the Date campaign has seemed to gain quite a bit of traction. What do we know about what the public thinks? There's a couple of surveys to point to. A lot of the feedback that we know that comes through the media is uh, people's individual comments rather than big surveys. But to point to two, the left-leaning Australia Institute uh, did a survey with Research Now back in 2018, and it said that a majority of voters wouldn't mind if Australia Day was shifted to a different date. Uh, If we look, though, at the right-leaning Institute of Public Affairs, they also did a survey with uh, Research Now, and that survey showed that only 10% of Australians think that the date of Australia Day should be changed. So looking across those two surveys, it's fairly political. It's very political, it's very divisive, and lies, damn lies, and statistics. It's just one of those things that, um, yeah, surveys can show all sorts of things. Broadly, what are the main arguments for a date change? That it represents the dispossession of Indigenous people and also the violence that was shown through the British colonisation and a date really that's more inclusive of all Australians should be found. And what about those who argue it should remain? Uh, They say that it marks an important day in the history of what we know as modern Australia and it's a day on which the overwhelming majority of Australians show their pride for their country and its achievements. But let's imagine that the day was to change. Who actually has the power to change the date? Well, keep in mind our major parties don't support changing the date. That means that not a lot of work has been done on the actual mechanics of changing our national day, but public holidays are legislated, so there'd need to be a process to decide on a new date, uh, consult with the states and with the stakeholders and then get it through parliament. Uh, And given, keep in mind, it's our national day, you'd have to think that there'd be an element of consulting with the electorate and with voters. Which brings us to the politics of Australia Day. Australia Day for many is a day of celebration. There's, of course, the Australia Day Awards. It's where councils put on citizenship ceremonies. Recently, though, there have been a number of local councils that have taken a stand against marking Australia Day on the 26th of January and cancelled those events. What has the federal government said about this? Looking across a number of councils in Australia, both in cities and regional areas, Byron Bay, for example, and then you get into sort of inner Melbourne and inner Sydney, they want to move to not hosting citizenship ceremonies on the 26th of January is really a sign that they support the Indigenous uh, people and their push to change that date. So given the federal government looks after citizenship ceremonies and the councils host them on their behalf, what the coalition government has floated is a plan to force them to host those citizenship ceremonies. And if they don't, they'd be stripped of the right to host any citizenship ceremonies at all at any other time in the year. So looking at Australia, 
Day 2020. How's that going to play out? We'll need to see. There's not been a lot of councils who have put their hand up to say that they will not host citizenship ceremonies. But interestingly, uh, the federal government has also asked them to lodge with them dress codes. They don't want people to wear thongs or board shorts or things like that. And that's been a way for the federal government to talk to local councils about what their intentions are to host these citizenship ceremonies this year. One place people definitely do wear thongs and shorts and singlets and all of those things <laughs> is when they celebrate by listening to Triple J's Hottest Absolutely. 100 countdown. We're talking about younger Aussies mainly. They've moved the date of that countdown. The countdown has attracted a really big following for many, many years. And when it came to 2018's Hottest 100, they decided to shift that date away from Australia Day, which is when it had traditionally been held. So as an ABC channel, which of course is government funded that caused a lot of waves. And as I mentioned at the start, the other thing that happens on Australia Day is that the Australian of the Year is announced. That's administered by the Australia Day Council. How has the Australia Day Council tackled this debate? They've been, of course, very cautious around expressing a view on these things, as they should. They're a government uh, council. They shouldn't really be in the political debate about this. But if you want to get a sense about how they're handling it, have a look at the ad that they've put out in advance of Australia Day this year. It's really sensitive. And it's a really interesting encapsulation, I think, of all of the views around this and why it's difficult for some people and why others really enjoy it. Yeah, we'll pop that in your episode notes. It's also on their homepage. And that's your shortcut to Australia Day. On to our recommendations. Each episode of Squeeze Shortcuts, we give a recommendation for some further reading, some listening, some watching. Today, my recommendation relates to the start of the podcast where statistics reveal many of us don't know a whole lot about the arrival of the first fleet. I certainly didn't know as much as I thought I did. My recommendation is a a series by The Australian written by a familiar name to many, Trent Dalton, among others. It steps through that history. There's a paywall warning on that one too. I've Got the House with Annabelle Crabb. It was a series on ABC. It's on iView at the moment and it's a really good look at the centre of our democracy, which is Parliament House, of course. Mm. The way our history has evolved is really encapsulated in Parliament House in a really sensitive and really clever way with a lot of people thinking it all through and it's a really good look uh, in that series about how it all works. And it's Annabelle Crabb. Yeah, fantastic. Can't go wrong. (laughs) Thanks for listening in. If you like what you've heard, Heard, please tell people about our shortcuts. They're also available in written format on our website. Plenty more where this came from. We've got one out on Harry, Meghan and the Royals. That one's proving very popular. Huawei, if you don't know what Huawei is, that's worth getting across. The US and Iran's relationship, Ash Barty, whole lot more. Search for Squeeze Shortcuts in your preferred podcast app to find them. You could also leave us a review if you like it. Share a link on social. Spread the word. It helps us grow. Until next time.